it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our review of the Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater card from Saturday night, as well as a preview of the Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos card this upcoming Saturday. Um, Tom, on a scale of Israel Adesanya versus Calvin Gastelum, all the way down to Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva, where does the excitement card, well, excitement level for you, uh, sit for these cards? Well, uh, we've seen worse this year, Joe. So, <laughs> have we? On the UFC. Yeah, yeah. UFC has been putting in some new lows for me. D- do you want me to remind you of of the Dern card a couple of weeks back? Oh God! Yes. Oh, that was a dirge, wasn't it? So, in that context, Joe, I am moderately, moderately interested. Right. Moderately yeah. interested. That's great. Listeners, tune in. Keep tuning into this episode for our moderately interested takes on these cards. All right, let's not let's, let's stop mucking around. Let's get straight to it. Let's get to the main event from Saturday night. Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater in the featherweight division. Ends in the second round. TKO for Arnold Allen. Sounds good, right? Wrong. It was bad. Calvin Cater blew out his knee in the first round. Uh, continued the fight for some reason. Um, and then his knee blew out again in the second round. And uh, Arnold Allen swarmed him, got the TKO. And... Uh, no one left there happy at all. No, certainly not Arnold Allen. Uh, this was his chance for a statement win, uh, mm. following up on his knockout of Dan Hooker in London earlier mm. this year. Finally gets a top five guy, a man coming off a good win over Giga Chikadze. Not the win Allen was looking for, but we did see him in the first round. How do you feel that one went, Joe? That first round, I gave it to Allen. There was a, there was a moment in that where I actually thought Allen was going to finish him where he landed a left straight, and then you could see, like, Cater paused and was slightly rocked. And then Allen went and swarmed him against the cage and started unloading. I thought, like, oh, he's going to finish him, he's going to unload. And then he just took took a step back, and he was just like, no, 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 I'm going to measure this, I'm going to finish, I'm going to take my time here, which was a sensible decision. However, if he had finished him there before the knee incident, that would have been major statement win and, in fact, probably would have been clear number one contender, Arnold Allen, in the featherweight division. Yeah, certainly would have been. Certainly would have been. That was quite the moment. Uh, at the time, I thought uh, the measured approach was right from Allen. Same. Same. Um, you, you know, he had that same pause against Dan Hooker. And then yes. he was like, have it. I'm out yeah. of <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, and just unleashed. But I think Cater's a slightly more dangerous beast did anything about that first round surprise you i mean obviously I was, calvin he looked so good against giga chikadze last time out well no josh emmett was his last fight sorry sorry yes which well, he, he did he, did well, look he good didn't he didn't shame himself in that fight a lot of people felt he, he won that one too yeah, yeah i think most people did i think he did but again one of those where i'm not mad that emmett won um yeah i, I was actually surprised that kate uh, sorry alan damaged cater as quickly as he did and that Cater had that level of reaction because even against Holloway, he didn't have that sort of reaction like that where you could see he was visibly stunned. Whereas against Holloway, he was just 
basically put through the meat grinder and was just somehow still walking death, for some death reason. Death by a thousand cuts in that fight. Yeah. Did you see the statistic last week where Calvin Cater has absorbed more significant strikes than Andrei Arlovsky in the UFC? <laughs> yeah, it's funny how these, these stats come to come to our attention. I mean, that is off the back of that holiday Holloway fight. I think he is the record holder already in absorbing mm. the most strikes in one fight. Well, yeah, I think also the guys he has faced recently as well. I mean, Josh Emmett, you know, all gas, no breaks. Um, Giga Chikadze, you know, who is a he is a good kickboxer, but, you know, Cater worked him, really. Uh, obviously, the Holloway one. Shane Burgos as well. You forget that. Was that in his debut that he fought Burgos as well? You know, he's he's not fighting... He's not fighting, like, reserved John Fitch-style wrestlers who are just going to pull him to the mat, mat and just keep pulling him down. He's facing guys who are going to push forward. Yeah, well, of course, part of that is that Calvin Cater does have pretty solid takedown defense as well. Yeah, very so good. Very good. Yeah. 91%, I believe, takedown right. defense accuracy. So that's how you end up... Uh... <laughs> beating Arlovsky for strikes absorbed. And Arlovsky mm. on this card also, demonstrating how to absorb less strikes. <laughs> yeah, what, by getting subbed getting in mu- the first... Getting, mu- getting mushed in, yeah. in the blink of an eye. Um, mm. Would you want to see more of this, Alan what? versus Peter? No, no. I think Alan should move on. I think, actually, the booking idea that came into my head was to have an interim featherweight title fight underneath... Volkanovski versus Makachev, and I would have yeah. it be Emmett versus Allen. Like maybe Emmett that's... versus Allen. Those are the clear two standouts. For yeah, you. I don't, I don't, I don't see the argument for Yair Rodriguez. He's got you know a cheesed win over Ortega, and then before that, I think he had what was his previous fight before that? Holloway. Holloway. Uh, he had the weird one with Jeremy Stevens as well, where he had the well, which fight he twice. Then... Yeah, 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 but yeah. he came back and closed that chapter. Yeah, um, I know I what you mean. I don't think... a little bit, a little bit patchy. We, we, you'd like to see one of those again. That signature win, kind of what Alan was looking for here. Yeah, um, but of course, Rodriguez, he does have the profile. Does coming he coming off of? Yeah, I think I think in the does he in the Hispanic community, Joe, which we have great relations <laughs> with on whole. Yeah, of course, yes, very very deep rooted <laughs> relationships. Uh... They have acknowledged that Yair is indeed one of the boys. Uh, he's, yeah, I think he's he's up there with Marino, you know, for the Mexican crowd. So fair enough. There is but, that, but uh, I guess I guess is it goes Sean back O'Malley to that, of featherweight. I guess I guess so, but I mean, maybe it's that I don't know if you saw that interview with Javier Mendez post Makachev Oliveira, where he says the fight that should be made is Makachev Dariush, but we're also in an entertainment business as well, so that's why we're facing Volkanovski next, and it's like. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Yair versus Emmett, Yair versus Allen is, quote, more exciting or maybe more appealing to a slightly larger fan base. But if we're talking about this as an actual sport, and that's how I like to think of it anyway, you know, any matchup of those three is good. The correct matchup, though, is Emmett versus Allen. The problem is, as we saw with the post-fight promo, is that Arnold Allen is maybe actually the most english fighter we've got like you know you look at like darren till paddy pimlet like these big personalities loud on the mic whatever else the true english fighter is arnold allen arnold mate call out your next fight you want a title shot and he's just like 
yeah, you know, yeah, that'd be nice to get in the title shot. You know, I think, yeah, actually, yeah, I do, I do deserve that. Yeah, that'd be nice. So, so like, Arnold, mate, uh, you could see he was disappointed with the fight because if he had, like, knocked Cater out, I think if he had maybe had a bit more fire in him, he would have given that better promo. And you could see that Bisping was, like, desperately, like, mm. please, Arnold, mate, I'm backing you here, pal. Come on, I'm giving you I'm giving you the setup. Call out Volkanovski and say, I'll be the, I'll face you in Australia. You know. Slap that bald head around. Like yeah, exactly. Pinball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, like really insulted him. Whereas, you know, it's the same thing with Emmett, isn't it? It was just like, gee, shucks, mister. You know, I can't wait to have my title fight. And Dana's just shaking his head. You are not getting a title fight. No. And Joe, how enthusiastic are you about seeing these guys fight? Well, Alan versus Volkanovsky. Yeah, I mean, all right. You can have one. You can have Alan Volkanovsky or you can have Makachev Volkanovsky in Australia. The other, uh, the other fight cannot. Well, happen. I think I think Volkanovski loses both of those fights anyway, so I would. It doesn't really matter inside. <laughs> eyebrows are raised. For the I moment. honestly think out of the top contenders at featherweight, I think Arnold Allen is the toughest fight for Volkanovski. I think that's a, that's a reasonable summation. More 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 so because we've we've seen the the limits of most of the other fighters in the division, and we've seen how how Volkanovski's grown. Mm. Um, Whereas with Alan, he leaves more questions. What is yeah. it you're seeing Alan's game in particular? You think he's the speed, with? the speed, hand speed. I think, and also as we saw on Saturday, doesn't really set, doesn't need to like show a lot to throw his shots. Like he just like really blasted Cater with that left hand without much setup. Mm. I think that would be a real challenge for Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski, you know, I say that Alan would beat him. In my heart, I would want Arnold Allen to win because obviously English fighter. You know, I would want him to win it, but I think Volkanovski would be able to figure him out and take away those later rounds from there. Uh, I also just think it's a much more competitive fight than the Makachev one. Like that's more competitive. It's it more enticing the Makachev fight, but I think the Allen one is more competitive. Hmm. Well, that remains to be seen. I I, I don't know. I need some time for that to sink in, Joe. That's uh, yeah. You, well, we got plenty not- of time. You knocked me aside with that. Okay, fair uh, enough. But yeah, yeah, you, you you've said it now. You said Volkanovski's going to lose to Arnold Allen. That's a <laughs> hell of a take, there, Joe. That's. I think he careers think are made and lost on statements like that. I think out of the top guys, I think Allen is the most likely to be. Sounds him. a little bit like you're walking it back now, Joe. No, <laughs> it no. sounds like you're walking it back. No, I agree. That of the top guys, Allen is is the most compelling. That is not the same as saying I think Arnold Allen will beat Volkanovski. I did. I'm, I haven't walked that back. Did I say I was I was walking that back? Can you say it for us again? Arnold Allen will beat Alexander Volkanovski at some point in his career. Uh, ah, you mean like after they both <laughs> retired, it's kind of Chuckie no, no, no. I, I I think that. Yeah, I, I, I want him to win. That's that's main, the main issue as well. Because also, like, Arnold Allen, bless him, he is quite boring. And so for him to be a UFC I champion would be hilarious as well. So I all of the messaging over the last few years about Britannia Unchained. and mm. you know, I think that's got to you, Joe. No, I think you, you've all. got the blinkers on. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Featherweight. Well, let's talk about Calvin Cater, actually. Let's not show the disrespect here. Before we recorded, I said to you, I think Cater is done in terms of featherweight contenders. And I stand by it, Tom. I think he's done. 
He's going to be 35, 36 in January. He's blown his knee out. He's taken a historic beating off Max Holloway in his career. He says he wants to take that Charles Oliveira route to the tights where no one can ever doubt that he didn't earn it. That Michael Bisping route, you know, but you're going to be off for a long time with this knee injury and you're going to come back and Bryce Mitchell, Taporia, Evloev, even Jordan, maybe even someone like Nathaniel Wood is going to be further up there. Jack Shaw moving up to featherweight as well from bantamweight. These guys are going to be laced through the rankings. Do you really think Calvin Cater, at 36 years old, after a bad knee injury, is going to be able to beat these guys? In my mind's eye, no. No, it's a a tough ask. It's a tough ask, especially if there is any vulnerability remaining in that knee. Mm. Uh, What you said pre-pod was you're more dismissive of his caliber as a fighter. That was the impression you gave me. Uh, I think it's... Yeah, it's okay to say that maybe he's he's not going to make it no. um, to the title picture anymore, but I don't see him fading from the rankings entirely just yet. He is only 34, just to clear that up, turning 35 oh. in half a year from now. Um, yeah, I think he will have a few more signature fights in the UFC. Yeah, I think he'll have signature fights, but I think... The, my worry for him is that he'll still be ranked highly when he comes back, maybe, you know, seven, maybe around about seven or eight. And I think he might become a sitting target for some of these guys that are going to move up through the rankings. You know, bantamweight, featherweight, these are divisions that are going to fill out continually, you know, because like MMA in general, the talent pool tends to be in the lighter weight classes. And, you know, he's in this division with this sort of injury you know you saw it with josh emmett maybe he could take that emmett sort of run of just grinding it out and somehow getting through and getting these wins and getting himself into his contender status but i think it's unlikely very talented fighter very exciting fighter but i think him getting a title shot i i don't see it happening i'm afraid well, I mean, you've laid out the blueprint there. Josh Emmett obviously blew his knee out in pretty brutal fashion, um, kind of putting it all on the line for us, you know, mm. back against Dan Ige, wasn't it? No, Burgos. No, Burgos. Burgos, yeah, June of 2020. Mm. Um, and obviously came back. He's going to be 38, Josh Emmett, in, in mm. March. He's here. You just you just mentioned it. He's You've lined him up for the interim belt. So mm. No, I, I, yeah. Yeah, he can he can do it, but I feel like it's unlikely. That's all. Right, should we talk about the rest of what was on this card? Um, co-main event, Max Griffin defeats Tim Means by split decision. Griffin's on a slight run now. Is that his fourth win in a row, I believe, for Max yeah, Griffin? Yeah, who are those wins, though, Joe? <laughs> who are they? You know, who has he actually beat? Well, oh, I say that he's on a four fight win streak he's on a one fight win streak my mistake i forgot he lost to neil magny um i mean he beat tim means and he beat carlos condit and yeah. keenan song who yeah ramiz yeah. brahimaj <laughs> joe i don't have a lot to comment on here to me it was just a man in great physical condition against a man who's who's already coming down the side of that hill yeah uh, yeah, not it was the, not not a statement in there that Griffin can really sort of 
yeah, say much about. Can we talk about the Treshawn Gore guillotine finish of Josh Fremd? I've never seen a guillotine finish like that. That was brutal. Concerning, yeah. Ragdolled him. Yeah, and he was like, he had him up in the air, like when he snatched in that guillotine. Um, like almost like he was going to hit him with like a DDT or something. It was, it was, it was brilliant. So that was a nice finish, I thought. Um, haven't seen anything quite like that before. Uh, so fair play to Gore. Um, I'm sure you'll fight some other no mark in the middleweight division uh, before facing one of those unranked beasts hanging around. Uh, speaking of those unranked beasts, Roman Delidze defeats Phil Hawes. By KOTKO. It shouldn't have gone on that far, though, should it? Uh, Hawes, well, Delice had like a. It's kind of like a knee bar in this awkward position, and Hawes' right knee went out. Oof. It was yeah. horrible. You see him yeah. limping. Delice let go and like was just like, oh, I'm sorry, mate, I'm sorry. And for some reason, Dan Mergliata sees him limping away after his submission. Delice going like, oh, sugar, I'm sorry. Um, and he's just like, well, no, you haven't finished him yet. And then Delice had to keep going. And the finish up against the cage, where he landed three concussive blows on the way down on Phil Hawes. Brutal, brutal finish for Delice. Yeah, Hawes didn't need to go out like that. No. It was a shame. Yeah, really quite grim, wasn't it? Um, Delice should be ranked, I feel like. Should take maybe one of those higher rankings at middleweight. Well, unfortunately for him, Phil Hawes is you know similar position in the in the setup to him as in he's just been kind of smoking fools on the mm. prelims. Um, you know, a win like this it doesn't really announce you to the no. world. But I don't know. That's it's a very impressive record that Delito's got. You know, eleven and one. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive for Delito yeah. to get to that level. I guess he's ready for, you know, the, the Brad Tavares, Chris Curtis. Oh, kind of. Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley, Tavares, that sort of murky... That's the start of the dark waters where it's just like, how far are these guys going to go? But yeah, I guess maybe it's hard to say too much considering the nature of the victory. Uh, also at light heavyweight, Khalil Roundtree, one of Tom's least favourite fighters, defeats Dustin Jacoby uh, by split decision. I think we both gave it to Jacoby two rounds to one people were very angry about this including one guy in the crowd who uh, Roundtree told to shut up and Bisping seconded that on the mic Tom would you have been yelling at Khalil Roundtree uh, for this win? I would not not after what he did to that was it uh, that Lithuanian fella Budaskas yeah. on he checked, yes. checked his knee you know that teep kick yeah, yeah teep to the knee split him in half basically Horrendous. Terrible, terrible. terrible. Yeah, uh, especially not given that Roundtree was only growing in stature as this fight went Mm. on. To me, I had this looking like a pretty comfortable kind of kickboxing win for Jacoby. Uh, You know, quietly rumbling away Dustin Jacoby Mm. in this manner. He's been too much for most guys with that evasive style. But um, Roundtree, he started spamming those those big overhands, those big mm. shots, and uh, they were they were wearing on Jacoby. Definitely, yeah. you know, if the fight went to another round, you would you'd favour Roundtree going forwards. So on that kind of metric that we've introduced recently on Hold, <laughs> I think uh, you could perhaps give extra credit to to your man Roundtree to push him over the line. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting as well that Jacoby took that fight when he's ranked. Ranked 13th, 
and now he's probably going to lose that ranking and Roundtree will take it. Um, it's just one of those divisions as well where like you could easily slip into the top 10 without people even really realising. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, great, now I have to face Krilov. You'll lose that. And then, like, you know, slip back down to that sort of 15 to 10 range. And then some, you know, Russian bloke you've never seen before with the Abraham Lincoln beard is matched up against you. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, I've got to face this dude. You know, it's one of those one of those divisions, Tom. You know those divisions. Um, <laughs> should, we, uh, should we look ahead to Saturday, Tom? Unless you've got something else you want to point out from this card. Uh, I, I don't, Joe. You know, it's one of those uh, kind of lulls. Oh, we're experiencing Steve Ga- right now. the Chase Hooper finish. Chase Hooper got finished by Steve Garcia. Did you see this? Um, I've got a question here about Chase Hooper. His striking was just not very good. He's quite an interesting, tricky grappler, but wasn't able to get it to the mat, and uh, Garcia just blasted through him. Um, what is the point of Chase Super being in the UFC when he's this young and this underdeveloped? Like, I, I, I think that this is something that the UFC should really angle away from. Like, why? Like, you've got that. Um, what's his name? Raul Rosas Jr., who got booked for UFC 282, who's 18 years old. Like, you know, I watched Rosas Jr.'s fight on the Contender series, and. You know, I thought he was looked good, looked like a good athlete, like a smart fighter, but is there really much need for him to be in the UFC at this stage? Like, you know. I, I think it's fine. I mean, there are some success stories and some failures when you, when you look through. Of course, uh, one of those success stories we're going to get onto quite shortly in Sean O'Malley, but mm. then you have the likes of, um, you know, the young Armenian Armenian Shabazian. Shabazian, yeah. Um, mm. So it's a, it's a kind of poison chalice. It can be, or it can be the platform to, you know, success for a lifetime. I That's think true. they, if you if you gather that prominence, if you show that skill at some stage, you should be given the chance. You shouldn't be held back just because of your age. However, no. Chase Hooper, you know, we've seen him run into this kind of roadblock more than once now don't need to see that happen again so same for Shabazian mm, yeah I think there is I think there would be some merit in the UFC letting these guys go for a few years and then taking a look at them again like even if like they, they've got like a winning record in the UFC like what would be the harm in you know Hooper going off and testing free agency and fighting in a couple different fight organisations for a few years like mm. even if it is somewhere like you know Bellator or the PFL, something like that, where they can sort of get that bit more seasoning and then come back and also make more of a name for yourself. Like, do you want your name to be like, oh, I remember seeing this guy get fucking mullered, you know, in a, in the apex? Like, not really. So, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, th- I feel like, honestly, the UFC should be a little bit more discerning. Like, if there's a really exceptional case, like, you know, I even look at someone like Mohamed Makayev at flyweight, who's now ranked at flyweight. But if he hits a couple roadblocks at flyweight, what would be the sh- the problem in say like, yeah, maybe go back, go to Cage Warriors, get a couple wins there, and then come back in two years' time? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't need to see these. Guys. I know that they have this delusional thing in their head of like, I am going to be a world champion, and you need that, you need that to become a top fighter. 
particularly Makayev, who's saying, like, I'm going to beat John Jones's record of being the youngest fighter. I, I just wish that people didn't fixate on him becoming the youngest champion. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, that's being a champion regardless at any age is incredible. Like, I don't see this need to be this record breaker, basically. I I feel like it would be unreasonable to stifle these guys, though, Joe. You know, like, are you going to say Jude Bellingham shouldn't have left the championship? You know, should he well, not be in the England team now? You have to give these chance the the, the chance to to prosper. And, yeah. Uh, getting on to prospering, Joe. Last Saturday, we saw Sean, Sean O'Malley beat Petr Jan. Yeah. You had a lot to say about it. Yeah. There's been a few events since then. O'Malley, obviously being the prodigal son of this very discussion, a man yeah. who who got the rocket from the UFC and has gone to the the headlines. Um. He does have one hater in, in Joe Greenwood. I don't. You, you thought he lost the fight to Petter Yan. Yes. We're going to watch it again. The listeners have been been blowing up the email address <laughs> trying, to, trying to find out what you have to say. Are you ready to reveal the results of your second watching? Yes. So I rewatched the fight. I scored the fight 29-28 for Piotr Yan. And in fact... After watching it again, more inclined to a 30-27 yarn than I am to a 29-28 O'Malley. That is my main take takeaway from it. You cited last week the the uh, uh, quantitative significant strikes, yeah. the quantitative significant strikes of O'Malley in that third round, 44 or something, something like that. Uh huh. Bro, there were not. 44 significant strikes in that round there was a lot of O'Malley pumping out this left hand jab onto Jan's arms and then there was times where Jan took him down and O'Malley Absolutely. was hit, was, was I mean, that was a key, hit, key component of O'Malley's victory listen to what I'm saying no but <laughs> Joe sorry you're saying that the fact that he blocks shots the light shots at range was a credit to Jan no, I'm not saying it's a credit to either of them. It's well, a credit. To, on, it's a credit on. to no one. To me, that's to me, that's nothing. If that's not make, damage. If you make a man block a shot, and it doesn't get, but through, he blocked the shot. No, I think I think that still has to be credited with something. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, because that's... it stops. It stops in the same way that like control time on the mat. It, even if you don't get any damage off, it's credited. If you're throwing strikes, that means the other opponent has to cover up and cannot implement their own game. You have to be credited with that. O'Malley was uh, then... There were the clinch positions where O'Malley's about to be taken down and O'Malley's throwing like these those rubbish hammer fists from the side that do no damage, that do no significant damage, that were then credited as significant strikes. Tom, I'm not having it. In terms of significant damaging strikes in that third round... It was even. It was even of like, you know, O'Malley, I, he, I, he landed this really nice single straight right hand that landed on Jan. And then about 10 seconds later, Jan landed this lovely one-two combo to get back at him. It was even in terms of significant strikes. If you score that third round for O'Malley, I'm absolutely fine with it. I'm just not having, oh, but he landed 44 significant strikes to Jan's 20, whatever it was, his number. I'm just, I don't, the quality of those significant strikes was not enough for me to then overwhelmingly score it for him. Again, I'm not against 
O'Malley winning this fight. The first round is close. I gave it to Jan. The second round, for Jan. Third round is close. I gave it to O'Malley. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that I, was my main takeaway. That's the journey Again. you've been on since since leaving that uh, event myself. I don't know what's going on. How Facebook's trackers are are working now, Joe? But it's just nonstop. I'm getting a bar, but bombarded with O'Malley fan club memes. Are you really? So I've been I've been indoctrinated. I've been accepted as one. Oh and God. in that universe, it was a it was an ass whooping for O'Malley. So I've seen a lot the- of comments by people going like, "I don't know what people are debating here. It's a clear win. There's no clear win either way. There's no clear win." I, yeah, it it seems to be quite polarizing. Um, O'Malley feels like it was uh, comfortable. It was a uh, <laughs> ass whooped that little midget. I think. <laughs> I mean, uh, he seems to have now. I, th- I feel like it's unfair as well in the moment for people judging him for that post-fight promo, where it's just like, he's just been in a battle with Piotr Jan. He's just won a split decision. You can't... It, there's no way I can ever know what he felt. There's no way we can ever know that. And for him to be like, oh my God, like kind of almost lost for words, I feel like that's normal. Okay? Well, that's that's concussion, Joe, I think is what that is. Oh, from um, the significant strikes that Piotr Jan landed, yes. He, Whereas Jan... Amali got worked. He, he he had a tough a tough fight. He, I think he took more damage than he did against anyone else, barring the injury that he suffered against Marlon Vera. Yeah. I mean, any argument could be made of that. No. But anyway, he's gone to rank one, Joe. He's gone 10 slots up in the rankings. Yeah. So why no, no are we... More elite why are we level. getting... Yeah. Why are we getting Cejudo versus Sterling instead? That's that's what apparently that's what they want to book as the co-main to Volkanovski versus um, Makachev. So here, yeah, I've got my I've got my tinfoil hat on. Here is what the UFC is planning for next year. You have that as the co-main to Makachev Volkanovski. Then you have the winner of that bantamweight fight face. Volkanovski for the featherweight title. That is what I think they're trying to do. That would be some some bullshit, Joe. We got that would be some bull- any messing around with bantamweight. It's the pristine division. None of that UFC hijinks. I mean, we're no. already getting some hijinks here. Watching one man go ten places up in the rankings from eleven <laughs> to rank one. That's yes, you know, it's- that is pretty harsh on Marlon Vera. Yeah, <laughs> who yeah, beat Hartley and has beaten everybody else since, and yet can only get to four, three places behind him, Hartley. Yeah, so for some reason, I mean, I, there was a fight that's been uh, close to being announced that I'll uh, tell you in a second. But if they're going to go down the Aljamain Cejudo route, you would have on a pay per view O'Malley versus Vera as a five round number one contender fight. Surely that would be what you would that be thinking. Fantastic. That does sound fantastic. Do you want to know a fight that I know that you are definitely going to be excited for this? Apparently, this is close to being in the works. Apparently, close, close to being in the works. That's how, that's this how is in good the works. our sources are now. This is in the works. We know about it before they do, Joe. Your boy, Marab Davashvili, is coming back. Apparently, for a fight night main event against Ricky Simone. <laughs> Come on, Ricky. Do it for yeah. Jose Aldo, please. <laughs> Do it for this pod. Do it for all set, the MMA fans set out there. Simone on him. That's that's great. Again, that's great. again, Ricky Simone gets to face Duvashvili again. He already has a win over him. Yeah. Um. I mean, if Ricky Simone two wins strikes that, you're out, Joe. That's how it works. Yeah, bro. Get out of those rankings, Marab. Do not want to see you there. 
Um, anyway, just speaking about bantamweight, I I just want to see a guy rack up some defenses of the belt. Like, is there anything? And I worry that Cejudo, with his weird little brain, is going to get that belt and he's going to be like, "I want a lightweight title shot right now." And he's just like, "No, Henry, no, please, face O'Malley, please, face Sandhagen. I don't want to. I don't want this, please." I I do worry. I do worry that that is the route that they're going to take. Um, right. Shall next we weekend. next weekend? Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. Not that fight though. What? <laughs> All right, I'm going to just put it out there. Rodriguez is winning that by decision, and she is the number one contender for for the winner of Espaza versus Shang. That is what's going to happen in that fight. I'm not breaking it down. But Joe, what about stats? Do you have a technical breakdown? No, I'm going off feelings, okay? And I've said from day one that Rodriguez should have had a title fight. She should be facing Esparza at Madison Square Garden. They're screwing her, okay? They're screwing her. Rodriguez for the win over Lemos. Lemos not got too much power against Rodriguez? No. Rodriguez's movement, speed, fleet of foot. I think she'll uh, she'll get a decision win and a, and a comprehensive one at that. Lemos is a decent fighter at strawweight, but I think... Rodriguez is of a different calibre to her now and has elevated herself to title contender status. Marina, I do not want to know what your feelings are on the recent election in Brazil uh, as I do not want that to uh, cloud my opinion of you as a fighter. Rodriguez, number one contender. Joe, of course, referencing the uh, picture (laughs) of most of uh, Brazil's (laughs) MMA contingent with Jair Bolsonaro, who has just been dethroned. Yes, it would seem, at least. Um, oh, my boy, Luke. No, it's official. Well, d- whether well, it's he official, accepts it, yes. Whether he accepts it is something else. Yes. Right. Uh, what, do, so, what, do you, what do you want to talk about on this card? Um, I think this is a middling, a middling card. There's nothing that's really stirring me deep in my loins. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Jelton Almeida, Almeida again, see if he can keep that momentum going mm. against a veteran in Maxime Grisham. Yep. Uh, yes, I mean obviously Mark Madsen? Now, well, yeah, I mean just a bit about Almeida. He is he's seventeen and two as it stands. Mm. Last time out, we saw a pretty thunderous display from him. You know, he could upset a few, yeah, a few fellas up in those higher weight classes. Yeah, he fights between light heavy and heavyweight. Um, I'd like to see him just commit to light heavyweight personally before going to heavyweight. Tom, sorry, I interrupted. I think I think we summed it up. That's that's all he's worthy of at the moment, Almeida. Let's keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, I mean, on the co-main, we've got Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez, two ranked guys at welterweight. Mm-hmm. Obviously, D-Rod coming off uh, a loss last time out. No, he beat uh, Li Jingliang. Remember when Li Jingliang weighed in at but 170? Did he, but did he beat him? Like For me, no. No, not, I think, according to... I think we both had that as a bit of a robbery. Um, certainly nothing I gave Rodriguez credit for. Magni obviously mm. had a check or, checked record of late. What, which way are you leaning for that fight? Um, I actually lean towards Magni. I, I lean towards... Like, I think it's going to be quite a jab-heavy contest. Um, and I think Magni, he's just a bit more fleet with his jab. And I think he can you know outstrike Rodriguez just in terms of like frequency I think damage wise I'm not expecting a blood and guts battle here between these two I mean D-Rod he lands 7.75 strikes per minute yeah to to Magny's four 
Um, now, of course, in doing so, he absorbs a lot more, a lot more strikes. So you just think that uh, Magny will kind of melt him as the fight goes on. Do I don't think, think he'll. I don't will think be too much. I don't think he'll melt him, but I think it will be. It depends if Rodriguez ties puts takedowns in there, though. Well, Magny, I would expect to work in some some graphics. Yeah, sure. yeah. It, it depends who can dominate that space. Actually, maybe Rodriguez could because he's he's a big. Big block of a man, isn't he? Yeah, so big, big uh, I might take this back. Actually, I might go with Rodriguez if he can if he can chain some takedowns in. The famous, prob- the gr- famous Greenwood U-turn is upon us. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Allen, world champion, and Magny with a win over Rodriguez. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's it feels like the, the but this fight for both of them is like a weird sort of like litmus test of just like how good are you actually. You know, if Rodriguez, like, outworks Magni, you go like, okay, that's a very significant win, I feel like. Um, whereas if Magni sorts of beats D-Rod, it's like, okay, you, you're you still that sort of upper-level gatekeeper sort of fighter. Do you know what I mean? For welterweight? I mean, I feel like we know that for Magni. We know the kind of bounds of his game. The question is whether he's slipping from that game. Uh, whereas yeah. perhaps with perhaps with D Rod he can kind of push on still. You know, you wouldn't close the door on him and say he's never gonna be in that top top ten, top five even mix up. No. No, not yet. Not yet. But um, with a loss to Magni, then we'd know. Is what you said. Yeah, yeah I, that's that's what I would be I, leaning I towards. I agree with that. Now let me just pick out one other fight, uh, which is stirring me a little bit. I'm seeing this on the UFC breakdown of the card. I'm not actually seeing it on the UFC's breakdown of the card, so I hope Wikipedia is more up to date than the official <laughs> UFC website because we've yeah. got Grant Dawson stepping in against Mark Madsen. Yeah. Uh, now, I think Dawson probably hasn't amassed much name recognition, but uh, Madsen, of course, the former Olympic wrestler, 12-0 mm. now in the UFC. Uh, Dawson, though, he deserves a bit more of a shine on him, Joe, because he's been kind of muddling along two, three fights a year. He's yeah. not been losing those fights. No. 18-1-1 one, one now. Mm. Is there anything uh, that you've seen from Dawson that stands out to you? What should the fans expect from a from a Grant Dawson fight? The, the problem that I have with Dawson, and I think with a lot of these guys that have come through, is that like when you think about like those upper echelon fighters, is that they have... They're extremely well-rounded, but they have that one major skill where it's just like you just have to stay away from it or you, they they just specialize in it so well. And I think that that is kind of a negative and a positive for Dawson, which is that like he's kind of so well-rounded that it's just like, okay, he can kind of win from anywhere. But the fact is, is that like he doesn't have that standout thing. And I think someone against, against someone like a Mark Madsen, whose wrestling is so strong, that he could kind of get sort of like ridden out here. Like Mark Madsen could just like dominate him for 15 minutes. My only thing that against that though, was that do you remember Mark Madsen's last fight against Vince Pitchell? Or yes, Pichel? I do. Where Pitch- yeah, it was a poor, poor performance where honestly from about maybe three or four takedowns, Madsen just was sapped of any energy and was struggling to get any sort of takedown going, particularly in that second round. Well, Joe, you're getting into more my my thinking about this fight now. I think Grant Dawson's going to run through him. Do you reckon? I think he's going to run through him, yeah. I think he's, he's going to finish him. Just finish, what, knockout, finish? Well, this is just the thing. I mean, uh, Dawson, 
starting out in his uh, early career as an MMA artist, he first seven fights, he finished by submission, submission victories. A lot mm. of RNCs in there, an armbar too. Uh, after that, his next three wins came by TKO. Then he went back to a couple more submissions. And in his run in the UFC, he's been mixing them all together. Knockouts, mm. um, decisions, and that RNC coming in again. I just feel that um, Madsen, yes, he does have the, the wrestling base, but it's not an MMA wrestling. I haven't seen him dominate wrestling exchanges in the mm. way that you might feel a, an Olympian uh, might. Of course, he calls himself the Olympian. That's actually his nickname. Never mind mm. when guys do that. No, um, same. And yeah, thirty-eight years old now. Dawson more than able to to mix it mix it in there. So you think about him tiring. I'm thinking another another RNC after a scramble on the mat. I, I I got a little lean lean Ooh. that way. Jim, yeah. Listeners, stick your five pounds on that onto a Grant Dawson RNC. Um, you've convinced me, Tom. I'm going to go with a Grant Dawson win. Also, I feel like Dawson... What's his win streak? Nine? This would be seven in the UFC. Seven in the UFC. Yeah. That's, that's o- impressive. Overall record of 18 and one. And then, you know, if he has that sort of win, you'd put him in there with someone like, what, a Brad Riddell maybe? Like, well, I sort think of like... se- seven fight streak, there's no way you keep him out of the rankings anymore, is there? No. No. I mean, who's at the who's 15th in the lightweight rankings? Drew Dober's just been nudged up. <laughs> But I feel like they've got bigger plans for him, maybe a Conor McGregor matchup, something like that. <laughs> um, what? Tony Ferguson and Conor round out their thirteen and fourteen. Dan Hooker somehow mm. S- still. I mean, God, that, that is, is, that, is <laughs> that is. By the way, this is we're talking about. You know, the pinnacle division of the UFC. Yeah, and that is the rankings. Like, it's just you want to hear the next four after that, though, Joe. Go on, give it Number to me. This 11, is going to make me happy. Damir Ismagulov. Oh. Number 10, Jalen Turner. Oh. Number 9, Armin Surukian. Number 8, Mateusz Gamrot. Oh, my God. that Those guys, by the way, who are ranked above them, like... <laughs> you, RDA, you, you Gaethje, Poirier. You fall off that diving board. There's nowhere good for you to go. Like, could you imagine? Can you imagine, by the way, watching Gaethje versus Ismagulov and watching him just get jabbed up by Ismagulov? You know, get taken down, just worked, and just get exhausted by him. Like, I think he would have what he did to Tony Ferguson. I think that's what would happen to Gaethje. Yeah, and yeah, I think called that's off fair. on humanitarian rounds in the later, in the later right. part of the fight. You mentioned a man who is in the UFC rankings, lightweight number thirteen, Conor McGregor. Tom, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Connor is no longer in the USADA testing pool. They so, don't have the equipment to keep up with him anymore. <laughs> gone too far off the scale. I know he's officially joined the X Men, uh, considering uh, what what is going on with his genealogy right now. Um, yeah, he's no longer in the USADA testing pool. So then, let me ask this question, Tom: Why is he still ranked? I, I, it's beyond me. I can't answer it. It's a pretense that we insist on continuing with. I mean, so that means Connor cannot fight for at least six months. Is that right? Six months. He has to start testing from today. If he started testing today, he'd be ready for May, April, May. So are we saying he's going to fight Floyd, Floyd Mayweather again? I honestly think that Connor might fight one more time in the UFC. And then Jake Paul. And then a Jake Paul. Or it might be the case that Connor, I don't know how many fights he's got left on his deal. I think it might be only be two or three. 
that he might just come back, fight out those two, three fights, and then do his freak show fight, carnival fight things. Jake Paul, Floyd Mayweather, Nate Diaz in boxing, Anderson Silver in boxing. You know, it might be one of those. Th- I know, it's grim, isn't it? It's grim. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to continue talking about Conor McGregor too much more, Joe, to, to be honest. Well, let's let's go even further. Anderson Silva lost at the weekend to Jake Paul in a boxing match. <laughs> and uh, 47 years old. I watched the fight um, in his run at the end of the UFC. One win, seven losses. And what we kind of learned is that the last 10 years of Anderson Silva, he's very consistent. If he fights his fight, that's what he's going to do. He's just going to fight his fight. And if he loses, oh well. And if he wins, great. But he doesn't seem too bothered about changing anything. Uh, it's a bit sad that this is how guys have to make their money post-UFC. This is how they have to get their roses. This is how they get their biggest paydays. You know, when he had the boxing match with Tito. When he had the boxing match with, you know, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. These were big paydays for Anderson. I'm chuffed for him and I'm happy. And I'm happy he's getting a great send-off to the end of his career. But you know what, Anderson? Just do the exhibition boxing now. You know, be on the undercut. Be the co-main event to all of those Floyd Mayweather exhibition fights in Dubai. We, I don't need to see you in a competitive boxing match again. And nor do I need to see Nate Diaz in this sort of thing. I just think it's a bit bit sad. And it's not sport. I just, there, I'll just say it. it's not a sport. Not if Jake Paul wins, anyway. No, no, of course not. Of course not. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, Tom, is there anything else you want to bring up? Anything else that's just sparkled, sparked in your mind that you want to uh, want to bring up? No, Joe, I guess I'm feeling a bit a bit bereft right now, you know? Yeah. Cut, cut, a sh- cut adrift at sea, you know? Like, I was really getting excited for Keita versus Allen. Um, I endured some, some slop to get yeah. to it. And then seeing another one, another big fight get taken away from a knee injury mm. uh, and another kind of fighter who's in a position that they can't really perhaps reach the same level after injury. Yeah. You know, harkening back also to TJ Dillashaw the prior weekend and, of course, Tom Aspinall earlier in the year. It's, it's just one too many, Joe. I'm feeling a bit glum. Yeah. yeah, for sure. There's a bit of news I've just seen here that I want to just bring up to actually... I don't know how you feel about this. Apparently, George St. Pierre is no longer under UFC contract quote i can do whatever i want and like okay is that when, jake paul are we thinking jake paul yeah, again it'll, it'll be a jake paul maybe anderson but again it's like we could have had gsp versus anderson in the ufc when it mattered most like we could have had that but you know gsp didn't really want to go up dana didn't really want to make the fight we could have had Anderson versus John Jones when it mattered, you know. But again, Anderson didn't want to go up. Dana didn't really want to do it. Why Why do people think that this is compelling now? You know, it's just, it's quite clearly a cash grab at this stage. And I mean, I, I almost, uh, okay, I almost want to, at the end of this episode, to make a declaration. I do not want to talk about these fights anymore. And I do not want to talk about Conor McGregor anymore until he has a fight books in the UFC. Like, yeah, can we can yeah. we make this can we make this a rule for the podcast from now on? It may may cause us to drop down in our Google search SEO whatever nonsense. 
but I kind of want to just not talk about these things anymore. Makes me feel pretty pretty glum, Joe. Uh, at least until somebody beats Jake Paul, I think we will avoid <laughs> discussing it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a, a wonderful time. Rather miserable talk in which we've been a bit snippy with each other. <laughs> Sorry. Joe, we've just been divided. You know, it's Romeo and Juliet now. So I'm in the house of Amali yeah. and you, you are yeah. pro-Russian. You are the Bolsonaro to my Lula. I understand. It's uh, let's let's wrap it up on that note. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. You can contact us at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week for the big one. The preview. Adesanya versus Pareja. Mutabon. I cannot wait. Mutabon. Cannot wait. Do you want to take a guess at who Pareja voted for in the, uh, in the I election? I do not. <laughs> Listeners, we'll be back next week. Bye, back everybody. next back next Wednesday or something. Goodbye. <laughs>